welcome to the 93rd episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This week we're doing a single serving size episode, and that's one in which um, one that falls below the three movie minimum I consider for a franchise. So this week we're talking about 13 Ghosts. There are two movies total. The first, 13 Ghosts from 1960, directed and produced by William Castle. We've talked about him previously when we did The House on Haunted Hill. He's known, he was known for doing a lot of gimmick movies. We'll talk about him a little bit more later. Um, it was written by Rob White, starring a number of famous people um, are actually in both of these movies. So this one starring Joe Morrow as daughter Medea Zorba, Rosemary DeCamp as Mother Hilda. Uh, she was in a bunch of stuff. Uh, I remember her most for being Marlo Thomas's mother in That Girl. Uh, she was also in Petticoat Junction. Martin Milner as lawyer Ben Rush. Donna Woods as Father Cyrus. Charles Herbert as son Buck, and he was a famous child actor. And, of course, Margaret Hamilton. Yes, that Margaret Hamilton who played the Wicked Witch of the West. Here she plays a housekeeper slash psychic named Elaine. This movie was released as a double feature with either 12 to the Moon, The Electronic Monster, or Battle in Outer Space. Runtime was 84 minutes and box office of $1.3 million. But remember, this is from 1960. Also, the movie's in black and white, um, which I, I enjoy because, to me, that adds to the horror movies. Uh, this one and The House on Haunted Hill I like much better in black and white instead of the colorized version. The second movie is 13 Ghosts, also known as T-H-I-R-1-3-E-N, Ghosts. Uh, this is a remake from 2001, so 40, what is that, 41 years later, 42 years later, directed by Steve Beck, produced by Robert Zemeckis, you'll remember we talked about him when we did Kolchak, The Night Stalker. And he's done tons of other stuff, starring Tony Shalhoub as um, the father, Arthur. And, of course, he's been in tons of stuff, probably most famous for the TV series Monk. M. Beth Davids as Kalina, Matthew Lillard as Dennis, and he's probably most recognized for Scream. He was also Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, and he's been in a ton of other stuff. Shannon Elizabeth as daughter Kathy, Ra Digga as Maggie, F. Murray Abraham as Uncle Cyrus, Alec Roberts as the son Bobby, and J.R. Bourne as lawyer Ben. Runtime, 91 minutes, budget of $42 million, box office of $68.6 million. Where to find these movies? The original is on Shudder. Um, or you can pay the usual 3 to $4 each on Amazon Prime, Vudu, Google Play, YouTube, or Apple TV. 
The remake is on YouTube for free, but it's the PG uh, rated version, so all of the cursing is dubbed over and like really funny uh, words are inserted. Um, or you can again pay the usual at all the spots um, if you want to see them there. These two movies are not available on Netflix, Hulu, or Tubi. Rotten Tomato scores. The first 13 ghosts, critics gave it a 36%, audiences gave it a 41%. And the second one, critics gave it a 16%, which is pretty low. Audiences gave it a 48%, so obviously that is a big difference of opinion. While praise from the critics was given for its production design, the film was panned for its obnoxious sound design, lack of scares, bad acting, and excessive use of exposition. Now on to the plot. I'll do the usual, read the brief IMDb synopsis, and then just talk about the plot a little bit. The first 13 ghosts, IMDb says, A family inherits what proves to be a haunted house, but a special pair of goggles allows them to see their ghostly tormentors. So Plato Zorba dies and leaves the house to his nephew Cyrus, and uh, he has not seen or talked to his nephew in a number of years. This is great news because um, Cyrus's family's having a lot of financial issues. His pay at the museum is not um, helping them make ends meet, and they have two kids, so he, they're very happy to hear about this. Plato's lawyer tells him the house comes with a housekeeper, Elaine, who already said, is uh, Margaret Hamilton, as well as 12 ghosts, which Plato collected from around the world. The ghosts include a wailing lady, clutching hands, fiery skeleton, chef who kills his wife and her lover, a hanging lady, an executioner whacking a severed head, a lion with a headless lion tamer, a floating head, and it turns out Plato himself is a ghost. The only way to see the ghosts are with a special set of glasses that Plato invented. There is also hidden money in the house which the lawyer tries to sneak around and find and makes the little boy swear not to tell anybody that they're looking for it. In the end, it turns out that Ben is the one that killed Plato. And he's trying to do the same thing to Buck by using some sort of weird contraption that is the canopy of a bed that comes down and suffocates the person. I've uh, never seen that one before, so I didn't know that existed. Luckily, uh, the ghost of Plato appears and kills Ben instead. The family keeps the money and decides to stay in the house since Elaine says that the ghosts are gone, at least for now. So, um, not very scary. The ghost, not, not very high-tech. Again, it was 1960, um, but just a, a kind of a cute little movie. So, that's the first one. Now, let's go to the second one. Let me just pull it up real quick. So this one, IMDb says, when Cyrus 
this time his last name is Critikaus, K-R-I-T-A-C-O-S. A very rich collector of unique things dies. He leaves the house and fortune to his nephew and his family. While they're inside, they find out they are not alone. So the same basic plot as the first movie, except in this one, the mother died previously in house fire. The father and the two kids are joined by Nanny Maggie, who I assume is taking place in the Margaret, Margaret Hamilton character. There is also a sneaky lawyer again, but he is dispatched relatively early in this movie. Um, instead of the last one where he died at the end. The house design and ghost special effects are great here, and I'll talk about them more in the trivia section. The family spends most of their time in the movie, though, just running around room to room, yelling for each other, which gets pretty old pretty fast. There's a weird, gigantic cog-filled machine that runs the house and locks all the windows and doors and is counting down to release all the ghosts, which are contained in the basement in underground um, cells. And there's a lot of writing all over the house. The house is completely glass, and um, the writing is in Latin. That's supposedly the spells that keep the ghosts inside. The twist here is that the father is told he has to sacrifice himself as the 13th ghost in order to save his kids. And also, another twist is that the uncle turns out to not actually be dead. It was just a plot to off his nephew so he could open the eye of hell and control all its power. Maggie ends up uh, destroying the machine, and she, Arthur, and the two kids safely exit the house. We see all the ghosts who are now freed walking, I think, uh, into the woods in the distance, and Jean, Arthur's wife, tells the family that she loves them and then disappears. And Maggie, at the end, Maggie vows to quit her job. So that's it for that movie. Um, on to trivia. The original 13 Ghosts from 1960. The exterior of the Cyrus Zorba house that the family inherits is in reality the Winchester Mystery House located in San Jose. This is not the main entrance, i.e. street view, but is from one of the other many entrances of the house. Notice the handrail running up the middle of the steps so that it's easier and safer for public use. So that's pretty cool. Several people in the movie call Elaine, again played by Margaret Hamilton, a witch. Margaret is even carrying a broom when she's first seen, which Charles points out. Margaret, of course, as I said, played the Wicked Witch of the West in The Wizard of Oz from 1939. So that's a fun callback. William Castle was able to get popular child actor Charles Herbert to play Buck by offering to give him top billing. Charles Herbert would appear in this and two other features in this year before roles and features completely dried up. He would complete um, his career in television roles. Also, um, I think he was on record as saying that uh, none of the money that he made was saved for him. He ended up turning to alcohol and drugs, and it took him a while to uh, get cleaned up after his career. 
This film was released in 1960 in a 1960 episode of Leave it to Beaver. Older brother Wally mentioned seeing a haunted house movie with, quote, about 15 ghosts running around. The creepy little man who delivers the telegram is played by David Huffman, who horror buffs remember for his appearance as the head inside the crystal ball in the Inner Sanctum movies. The spinning flame special effect seen shown as the ghost was used as an incorporeal alien being on the popular TV show Star Trek from 66 to 69. I remember that. It's an interesting effect. The lion ghost is the same lion who was kitty kitty cat on the Addams Family television series. The lion's real name is Zamba. He appears in a number of movies and TV shows. The movie was filmed in what Castle called Illusiono, and a special viewer was needed to see the ghost. This resulted in a number of sources incorrectly stating that the film was originally shown in 3D. The ghost viewers contain a red filter and a blue filter, but unlike 3D glasses, both eyes would look through the same color filter. The red filter would cause the ghostly images to intensify, while the blue filter caused the images to fade. The concept of a canopy bed which smothers the occupant was the central focus of Wilkie Collins' first major story, the appropriately named A Terrible Strange Bed, published in 1852. Now on to the 2001 remake. In the movie, the characters had special glasses to see the ghost. And in the original 13 Ghosts, as I just read, you need special glasses to see the ghost. This is one of the few details from the original that was kept. The special effects and sound mixing were so elaborate in this film that many people claimed that the movie was physically painful to sit through. The writing etched on one of the walls in the glass house translates to read the Lord's Prayer. The effect of the torso was achieved by using a double amputee wearing a special black hood that could be used to digitally remove his head. Of all the creature makeup created for the film, the angry princess, played by Shauna Lawyer, required the longest time to apply at five hours. The budget opening weekend, uh, box office gross and box office gross overall of this film are all virtually identical within $1 million to The House on Haunted Hill from 1999, which opened almost exactly two years earlier. Both films were adapted from stories written by Rob White and originally directed by William Castle. Shauna Lawyer attracted a small cult following thanks to her brief role as the Angry Princess. A rumor circulated that the role was actually played by porn actress Aria Giovanni using a pseudonym, but this is incorrect. Giovanni was an adult in an adult parody titled 13 Erotic Ghosts in 2002. Shannon Elizabeth is one year younger than Ra Digga, who plays her nanny, Maggie. 
which I found strange. Um, I don't know if they're having money problems while they need a nanny. The torn princess name is Royce Clayton, and he was an expiring baseball player. In reality, there was a major league baseball player named Royce Clayton. He played for several teams between 1991 and 2007. The first film from a major American studio with three Arab-American leads, Tony Shalhoub, F. Murray Abraham, and Shannon Elizabeth. In the original 13 Ghosts, the nephew who inherited the mansion was Cyrus Zorba. In this movie, the uncle who left his mansion to his nephew was Cyrus Criticos. This was Stephen Beck's directorial debut. After it, Beck would only direct one more film, Ghost Ship, from 2002. This was the only role um, that Shauna Lawyer, who we just said plays the angry princess, uh, the only role that she ever played. And a special effects feature on the 12 Ghosts of the Black Zodiac. The backstory for the bound woman ghost shows a newspaper clipping regarding her death. It includes reference to an inspector Labetta, William Labetta, and Picture Mill created the titles for the film. Roger Ebert praised the production value, saying the production is first rate, the physical look of the picture is splendid. However, he criticized the story as lack of interesting characters, loud soundtrack, and poor editing. In 2005, he included it on his list of most hated films. A year after this film, Matthew Lillard starred in Scooby-Doo and its sequel, Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed, as Shaggy. Um, there's also a film called The Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, voiced by Vincent Price as Vincent Van Gogh. Curiously, the first film produced by Dark Castle Entertainment and the previous to 13 Ghost is House on Haunted Hill, a remake from the original House on Haunted Hill from 1955, starring Vincent Price. Uh, let's see. This film was only the second Dark Castle Entertainment production and was considered a critical failure and a financial disappointment. Though it surpassed its budget, $68.5 million on a $42 million budget, when accounting for advertising and marketing costs, the film lost money. This discouraged Warner Brothers from making more William Castle horror films, which was the original plan for Dark Castle Entertainment, and the next release was Ghost Ship, based on an original screenplay, that film was also considered a critical failure. This was Ra Digga's last acting role as she did not desire to pursue a full-time acting career and stuck with her passion for music instead. Shan Elizabeth didn't actually know that this film was a remake before she joined production and even during the original 13 Ghosts 
not even knowing that the original 13 ghosts existed, only finding out partway through filming. Five of the ghosts and several of the minor characters were played by Canadians. The movie was filmed in British Columbia, and it's cheaper for production to hire local actors from the area instead of flying American actors to the set for every single role. Excluding the opening scene, the entire film's events take place over the course of a single day. In the original 13 Ghosts, the protagonist, Elaine, was a psychic medium, the dead uncle's female assistant, and the housekeeper. In the remake, she is separated into three characters. Dennis is the psychic, Kalina is the assistant, and Maggie is the housekeeper. The 12 ghosts, which make up the fictional Black Zodiac, all have their own unique backstory. Although these stories were not described in the film, on the DVD, the production and makeup teams explain their guidelines. This is also available on YouTube if you search on 13 Ghosts uh, and then Ghost Files. All the ghosts were contained in glass prisons. Dennis's psychic ability and Cyrus's resources were used to catch them. Oh, and F. Murray Abraham narrates the, um, this added the bonus feature, um, which is a nice touch, too. So I'm not going to read the backstory of all of these characters, but I'll just read their names. So we have the firstborn son, the torso, the bound woman, the withered lover, the torn prince, the Angry Princess, the Pilgrimus, the Great Child and the Dire Mother, the Hammer, the Jackal, and the Juggernaut. Juggernaut is actually based on the ghost of a serial killer named Horace Breaker Mahoney. When the family is driving to see Cyrus's house, a scene shows Kalina gathering materials, seeming to prepare for a fight to stop the culmination of Cyrus's work. However, when she's packing audio recorded spells, you can see both drawing spells and containment spells. Kalina picks drawing spells, alluding to the fact that she was working for Cyrus all along. Of the deaths in the movie, Matthew Lillard's character Dennis is the first main character to die by the hands of the ghost if you don't count the angry princess tricking the lawyer Benjamin Moss into getting too close to a trap door, which then severed his body in half. That's a cool special effect. If you don't count the junkyard scene at the beginning of the movie, the body count is four in this film, in this order. Benjamin Moss, Dennis Rafkin, Kalina, Oretzia, and Cyrus Criticus. Kalina's death, where she was crushed between the glass panes, was originally much gorier, 
with shots of her eyes popping out and brains spurting out. This was cut down in the end as director Stephen Beck feared such a gory death would earn the film a NC-17 rating. In the original script, the plot was supposed to take place over the course of a few days with the subplot that Kathy would fall in love with lawyer Benjamin Moss, but director Stephen Beck didn't like some of his ideas and nixed them. One particularly egregious one, according to him, was Maggie, originally being the mole, used to lure Arthur and his family to the house and subsequently changed this to have Kalina be the mole instead. So that's it for trivia. So why should you watch these movies? Well, I'm not sure you need to, to be honest. Um, they're not horrible, I don't think. Um, they're just not, you know, the best in the world. So I would say that the first movie is a good example of a William Castle movie. Um, I would... If you're looking for my favorite of those, it would be The House on Haunted Hill, though, so you might want to check that one out instead. And then, as we said, the second movie's production value and creature designs were excellent, but the story was pretty meh and boring. So I wish they had spent some more time on the story, and that would have made the movie a lot better. On to recipes. So it's not too hard to guess what I'm going with. This week, 21 recipes for a ghost Halloween party. And this comes from tasteofhome.com. I'll include the link in the show notes. And it really just has a whole bunch of things that can be used as a party at a party that are decorated to look like ghosts. So there's the typical marshmallow ghost in the hot chocolate. There are um, ghost ice cream toppers, ghost shortbread cookies, boo-rific kisses, <coughs> spooky shepherd's pie. So you'll just want to check out this site because, I mean, I really can't do them justice. Um, but these are visually a, a lot of fun, especially I think uh, if you have little kids around. Kid-sized ghost pizza, banana ghosts, and berry ghouls. So you get the ballpark idea. Not really a recipe, but, you know, just um, some ideas for a fun ghost party. Uh, ghost caramel pears. I haven't seen that one before. Boo Cookies, Marshmallow Ghosts, Boo Beverage, Ghostly Custards, and Ghostly Chicken and Pepper Pizza. So I'll stop there, but definitely check out that site if you're interested in having a ghost party. It doesn't have to be just at Halloween. It could be any time of the year. And lastly, where to find us? 
We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We need all the help we can get. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright. Contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com. Until next week, stay safe. Try to stay away from ghosts if possible. And we will talk to you in a few. Bye.